Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. So uh, this morning we have a special guest who is going to be uh, bringing the message here. So I want to invite Pastor Mark to come up front here. Can everybody say hi, Pastor Mark? Um, and so uh, Pastor Mark is uh, the pastor of Trinity. We are connected to uh, this church family known as Trinity. And uh, we need to thank him because it's through his vision, I don't know how many years ago, like four or five, four or five years ago, uh, that there was this dream of acquiring this space um, and actually, Pastor Mark was baptized here at this church, and, uh, and God is doing something here, but it was through his leadership that we're even here today. And so can we just thank God for him this morning? And I know he hates for me to do that because he's an incredibly humble person and he doesn't like this, but I want to pray for him as we uh, get into the message. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and God, uh, we thank you that, that you bring reconciliation, you bring <laughs> life and joy through your son, Jesus. And God, I pray for Pastor Mark, I pray for the message today that you would open our ears to hear in a new way about your goodness and how you bring life, even when it seems to be very dark. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dave. So, it's really good to be here with you guys. Um, like Dave said, this has been a dream uh, that God would have a church here in this place like this for a long time, and uh, it's really fun to be here and see what God is doing. Um, we're finishing up this series that, uh, that we've been calling Foolish Things that, uh, that Christians Believe. There we go. I got it right. Yeah, that works. All right. Um, and, uh, and we started it way back on Easter. Doesn't seem like it was way back, but it really was. It was five weeks ago already. And, uh, um, and one of the things we talked about is that the world tells us that it's foolish to believe that somebody could actually rise from the dead, right? That the world teaches when you're dead, you're dead, right? But we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, that means we are going to rise from the dead uh, someday too. That our death is not the end. That life goes on uh, for those of us that have that gift of a relationship with Jesus. And so that, that's a foolish thing, but it's something we believe. In fact, it's at the center of our faith. But I want to talk to you today about another one of those foolish things. But first, uh, I have a picture I want to show you. That is me, actually, at my college graduation. Uh, some of you might recognize that place, right? That's Concordia here in River Forest. And uh, some of you are going to be doing that exact thing this coming Saturday, right? Some of you? Who's, who's graduating this Saturday? Yeah, yay. All right, yeah. Um, You'll look better in that robe than I did, I'm sure. So, yeah, it's, uh, please, don't, please ignore the dorky mustache. But, uh, but the reason I wanted to show you guys that picture is because that's my mom and my dad. And uh, this picture specifically is really special to me, not because it was my graduation day, uh, but because it's the last picture I have of my dad uh, while he was still healthy. 
because you see, it was only a few months after this that, uh, that he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and, uh, and then after a five-year battle with cancer, he passed away a um, long time ago. He's been gone a long time. And, uh, and, and it was an especially difficult five years. Let me tell you just a little bit more about it. His cancer was in, it started in a kidney, um, and they removed that kidney and hoped that they had gotten all the cancer, but they hadn't. It had already started to spread into his bones. And, uh, and so he went through a bunch of chemotherapy and, uh, and stuff, but they were never able to kind of turn the corner on it. And, and the really difficult thing was during the last three years of his life, um, the cancer spread into his spine and he was actually paralyzed from the waist on down. He, he couldn't use his legs at all. And uh, so he's basically bedridden uh, for those last three years of his life. And he was also um, in a ton of pain. Uh, bone cancer is painful. And so every day he kind of faced a decision. And that decision was, you know, do I take enough morphine to not deal with the pain, but then sleep a lot and really be out of it and not have a chance to really live life and communicate? And, or, or, or do I just put up with the pain? And, uh, and so as you can imagine, it was a tough time. It was incredibly difficult for him. It was incredibly difficult for my mom, who really became his primary caregiver. Uh, we had a you know, bed in our family room that, that he basically lived in those last three years of his life. And, uh, and it, was, it was hard for our family. It, it was a time of, of suffering. And now the world teaches us that suffering is something to be avoided at all costs, you know, the world would say things like that, that time in my dad's life, he had a very low quality of life, they would say, things like that, right? And, uh, and, and when someone goes through stuff like that, you have a lot of questions, right? Um, and, and some of those questions actually, why doesn't this work? Oh, there we go. Got it. Uh, some of those questions actually have answers, okay? You know, questions like, why does cancer exist? Well, that has an answer. The Bible teaches us very clearly that things like cancer and pain and suffering exist because we live in a broken, fallen world. God did not create cancer. God did not create suffering. God is not the author of pain. But we live in a world that is less than what God desired it to be, less than what he created it to be. We live in a broken world, a fallen world, and as a result, there are things like cancer. There's a clear answer to that in the Bible. Another question we ask is, well, did God give my dad cancer? And again, the answer to that is clear in God's word. It's no. Because God doesn't smite people, right? He doesn't give people things like cancer. He doesn't cause pain and suffering in people's lives. He's not the author of those things scripture teaches us. So we have the answer to that. But there are other questions that we don't have answers to. Questions that are a lot harder. Questions like, well, why did my dad get cancer? Why specifically him? Or, or why didn't God heal him when he had cancer? I remember one time I went over to visit him and I walked in the room and my dad's small group was there gathered around his bed and they were praying that God was going to heal him and God didn't answer that prayer. Why didn't he? Was that God's will for him? Why does God let bad things like that happen? We have a lot of these kind of questions, don't we? And, and the fact is the Bible doesn't answer those questions for us. These questions just, we don't have answers to these kind of questions. And in fact, literally God just says, trust me. There's this verse in, um, in Isaiah where God says this. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, God says, trust me, I know better than you, I know what's going on, you're just going to have to trust me. Uh, Another verse says it this way, it says, uh, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. In other words, on God's dumbest day, he's still smarter than all of us, right? And, and so we have to just trust God with those questions that are unanswerable to us. Uh, somebody told me this once. They said that if you go to London, there's a museum there. And, uh, um, and when you walk into the, the entrance, in the entryway, there's like a glass ceiling. And when you look up, it kind of looks like that. It looks like a sewing machine just threw up, Okay. There's just all this thread there, all different colors going in all these different directions. It seems like it has no rhyme or reason to it at all. It it, it doesn't make sense. And you're kind of like, well, what's that? Why is that there? But then when you get up on the second floor and and you see it from the other side, what you see is this beautiful Elizabethan tapestry. And uh, and somebody uh, used that with me once as an example, and I think it's a good one, uh, of the idea that from our perspective, Those unanswerable questions, they don't seem to make a lot of sense. But from God's perspective, it all fits together. And and someday in heaven, we will have that perspective, right? Someday we'll be able to see how it all makes sense. But right now, we just have to trust God. And uh, in fact, sometimes I tell people, when when you're in the middle of something difficult, you just got to go stand at the cross, and, and look at that cross and say, if God would do that for me, if Jesus would give his life for me, then I'm going to trust him. Then, then he's proven that he can be trustworthy. Now, I recognize that if you're in the middle of suffering right now, this sermon is probably not going to be that helpful to you, Okay. Because when you're in the middle of suffering, it's not the time to speak theologically about suffering, right? You're just trying to get through it. I remember those days with my dad. You know, we were just kind of going one day at a time, just trying to get through that day. Um, another time, when, uh, when our son, my wife and I have a son uh, named Christian, and uh, he's 22 and six foot six and healthy as a horse, but his first week, he was very, very sick. In fact, not expected to survive. And, uh, and I remember sitting uh, by his little bedside there in the neonatal intensive care uh, just hours after hours, and, and there was a chaplain that had come, and she was, a, she was a, a new chaplain. She was like a chaplain intern, and she had come, and she was sitting with us one day, and she turned and she looked at me and said, I bet you're getting a lot of good sermon illustrations out of this. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, she was right, <laughs> but that wasn't the time to say that, Right? So, so if, if you're in the middle of something really difficult right now, if you're going through suffering, um, I, I know that, that this sermon may not be that helpful for you. You know, I, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about, about suffering, how to try to make sense in the middle of suffering, it, but, but, but that may not be helpful to you. So all I can really say to you, if you're going through suffering right now, is first of all, God has promised you that you are not alone. That, that he is with you, that he will never leave you or forsake you. You know that whatever it is you're going through, he is right there by your side and he's going to carry you through. And, and by the way, you are not alone here either. 
because this church family wants to be there for you as well. And, uh, and, and we want to be there to support and help you uh, and to encourage you uh, during this difficult time. But, uh, but now I'm, I do want to take a little time to talk with you about this idea that, that what the Bible teaches us is that God can actually use suffering for good in our lives. That, that the pain that we go through is not fruitless, that it isn't wasted, that in fact, as we heard in that reading a little bit ago, it's not something to be avoided. In fact, it's something we can rejoice in because God has promised he can use it in our lives. Um, I remember one time, it was maybe five or six years after my dad had died, I was talking to my mom. And I said, those three years must have been the hardest years for your marriage. And she looked at me and she said, they were the best years of our marriage. I was like, how, how is that even possible? She said, they, they, were, they were great years. I look back on those years now, and, and God used them powerfully in our relationship. Here's an, another example of that. It was about a year after my dad had died. Um, my mom was volunteering at the hospice where he had passed away. And, uh, um, and, and she meets this nurse there, and the nurse tells her, that it was the, the, the witness of my dad and my mom and how they faced his death with, with prayer and even with joy and hope, trusting in God, that got her attention and convinced her that she needed to get, get back to church. And, and so God used that moment in her life. See, what, what, what the Bible promises us is that our suffering is not wasted. In, uh, in, in Romans 5... Uh, I'm sorry, Romans 8, it says this. It says, we know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. Now think about that. It's an incredible promise, isn't it? Literally, what God is saying is, he can use everything in your life for good. Even our suffering, even our struggles, he can take those things and make good come out of them. And sometimes we get to see how that happens. Like, like that example with my mom and that nurse there in the hospice. She, she got to actually see how God brought a good thing out of that horrible tragedy in our life. But imagine if, if my mom had never gone and volunteered there, right? She never would have known that, but it still happened. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the interesting thing about this promise from God. Sometimes he does let us see the good that has come out of the suffering or the struggle in our lives. Other times we don't. And, and in, in all suffering, there's something bigger going on that we don't even know or imagine. There's this really kind of weird verse in, uh, um, in, uh, in he, here we go, let me get it, in Hebrews. It says this, it says, remember to welcome strangers because some who have done this have welcomed angels without knowing it. And you just read that and you go, wait, What? But, but what, what the writer to the Hebrews is reminding us of is there's this, there's this spiritual realm around us that, that we don't even see. And there's stuff going on in that spiritual realm, uh, whether we realize it or not. Do you guys know the story of Job? So Job goes through a huge time of suffering. But all along, what Job doesn't know is at the very beginning of the book of Job, we're told that, that Satan shows up in the throne room of heaven, and he's talking with God, and God says, hey, how about Job? 
Take a look at my bud, my bud Job there, man. He's a, he's a great guy. And Satan goes, well, the only reason Job loves you is because you've been good to him. But, but let me have him for a while. Let me put some suffering in his life and see if, see if Job still loves you. And God says, okay, go ahead. And, and so there's this, there's this kind of cosmic um, uh, struggle between the definition of love, whether love truly can be self-sacrificial or not. And Job doesn't have any idea that that's what's going on in his life. He just knows he's going through a difficult time. So, so sometimes when we suffer, and God promises he can bring good out of it, it may be in ways that we don't even know or understand, but we trust that God is indeed working in our lives. Let me ask you this. I, I want you to think about uh, a really difficult time in your life. And, uh, and think about that, a time of change in your life. Maybe it was, it's a moment where you look back on it as kind of a, a, a watershed moment in your life. You know, we, we all have good stuff that happens in our life and we have bad stuff that happens. We have stuff that's right and stuff that's wrong. We, we, uh, we win and we lose. We have success and we have failure. We go through joy, we go through despair. My guess is when you think about those kind of watershed moments in your life, it was stuff over here, wasn't it? It, 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 was, it was through a time of difficulty or a time of struggle that you got through, and that molded and shaped your life um, in an interesting way, in a, in a powerful way. We, we, don't, we don't grow like that when we're going through good stuff. We, we grow when we're going through difficult stuff. And uh, um, that's what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the Corinthian church, and he said, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. When, when you think about moments of suffering or struggle in your life, what happens is you experience something, you, you get through something, and now you understand what it's like to go through that. And now, when somebody else is going through that too, you're the best person to help them think that through and process that through and, 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 and you know what the right things to say and you know the stuff not to say because you know it didn't help you. I mean, my mom, she's in heaven now, but, but for many years in her life, whenever there was somebody in their congregation in their church family that, that lost their husband, my mom was always right there by their side because she knew what they were going through. You know, I mentioned before that, that uh, Betty and I had that opportunity with our son when he was, uh, when he was first born. He was very, very ill, and, and we went through that with him. And now whenever I hear that there's somebody in our church family that has got a baby that's in neonatal intensive care, I know what they're going through. I've experienced it. One of the ways that God uses suffering in your life and in mine is he can take that moment of your greatest pain and actually use that in a way that you can be helpful to others when they're going through the same thing that you're going through. I mean, I'm convinced that, uh, that if my dad hadn't gone through what he went through, I wouldn't be a pastor. See, I was a, a school teacher at the time. I was teaching junior high, and uh, I, I loved teaching junior high. I would have gladly taught junior high and coached the rest of my life. But, but God used that difficult time in our family's life to convince me that he had a different plan for my life, and he used that in a powerful way for me. We heard these words, and oh, 
the reference is wrong. That's supposed to be Romans 5. Um, we heard these words before. We can also have joy in our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience and patience produces character and character produces hope and this hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. I love that last line there. That idea that God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. Did you, did you ever see one of those, like, I don't know what they call them. It's like a champagne tower. You know, they take champagne glasses and they pile them up in like this big pyramid shape. And then they fill the glasses by just pouring champagne into the top glass until it overflows into the next row. And then it overflows into the next row and stuff like that. And eventually you can fill them all, right? That's kind of the image here, this, this idea that, that God can take his love and pour it into our hearts so much that it just overflows in love to those around us. And, uh, and that's an incredible promise when we face difficulty or struggles in our lives, that, uh, that, that we can be used by God and that, that suffering will produce patience and that patience, character, and that character, hope, and it's that hope that will not disappoint us because it's that hope that we find in Jesus. You know, if we ever needed proof that, uh, that, that suffering, something good can come of suffering, again, we go back to the cross, don't we? I mean, think about that. Probably the greatest moment of suffering that anyone's ever endured in the history of the world is what Jesus went through in that cross. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, you know, lots of people got crucified. Why is it such a big deal that Jesus got crucified? And, uh, and, uh, and, and two things. First of all, um, lots of people did get crucified, but, they, but Jesus is the only one that could have stopped it at any moment if he wanted to, right? I mean, think about what that was like for him to know, I could stop this, and he didn't. We did that for us. But, but the other thing, remember, that was going on on that cross is he was enduring and experiencing the sins of the whole world, the suffering of the whole world, all poured out on him in that moment. And yet God brought an incredible good thing out of that, didn't he? The salvation of the world. You know, when, when God says to us, your suffering can actually be used for good, I, I, can, I can take your suffering and I can... I can shape you and mold you into the person that I've created you to be. Um, when, when God says, I didn't cause that suffering in your life, but I can use it, remember that he knows exactly what it is to suffer. He's experienced it. It's a foolish thing to believe that suffering can be good. You know, you listen to the beginning of that Romans reading we heard before that where, where it talks about we can also rejoice in our sufferings. And, and that seems crazy, right? But knowing that we have a God that loves us, knowing that, that God can take that moment of our pain and our struggle and use it for good in our lives, that, that he, can, he can shape us and mold us even as we suffer, well, that's an incredible promise. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we come before you today, and uh, Lord, I, I'm sure that there are some folks in this room that are going through um, some suffering right now, that there's a, a struggle in their lives. And Lord, uh, first of all, I pray that you'd uh, remind them that you are with them, that you are never going to leave them or forsake them.
and uh, that, uh, that you would remind them that you can even use this for good in their life. And Lord, I pray that we would learn to trust you in moments of suffering, that we would cling to your promise that, that you can make suffering work for good in our life. The world thinks that's crazy. Uh, the world thinks that we should just avoid suffering at all costs. But, uh, but Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would just assure us again and again of your love and your power in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.